Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's freedom in this place today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Receive it today. We are free people. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We don't want to leave this. We don't want to leave this presence. But God's got a word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. We can dismiss our children. Hallelujah. We've got a beautiful children's uh, place that we're working on right now. And uh, we love our children. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good to be back here. My wife and I uh, love when we're scheduled to come back. And... Uh, I hope they schedule me more often, but, but praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to be concluding uh, our vision series, which uh, Pastor Chris put together, and that is the four things engage, encourage, empower, and enjoy. How many know that uh, Christianity is to be enjoyed? And how many know that there are people who are not enjoying their Christianity, and there's reasons why. And uh, But joy should be the most notable characteristic of a believer. That is a true born-again believer. It should be the thing that people notice the most when they look at someone who has been born again, filled with the spirit of the living God, that they have joy. And... Uh, 
The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, righteousness is because it's not our righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Christ that has been afforded to us by his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Then peace comes to us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, in the Amplified Version. I love this. It says, Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and giving a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah and the Anointed One. The third thing, Paul says, is joy in the Holy Spirit. That is what the kingdom of God is about. This phrase, joy in the Holy Spirit, represents True born-again Christians. Without this, you're just a religious person. But whose thinking and feelings is the work of God's Holy Spirit in their life. That their joy may be viewed by those on the outside as something that is not natural, but supernatural. They will know that what you have it's not from this world. It's not from your position in life, but it's from God. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Thessalonica. He said this, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Paul said this church was suffering Severely, but yet the word of God, they receive joy by the Holy Spirit. Our strength to live this Christian life is not rooted in our effort, the natural effort, or our natural ability, but rather in the joy of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament has a lot to say about joy. If you read it, there's so much to say about joy that God gives us as a believer. But I want to go to the Old Testament for an example in the book of Nehemiah the prophet. This scene that we're going to read about is when the Jewish people were freed from Babylonian captivity. Remember, God used these ungodly countries to teach his people a lesson when they turned to sin. They, they, they became captured, and they were captured by the Babylonians because they turned their backs on God. They came back to Jerusalem under the prophet Ezra to rebuild the temple. And they were let go because there was a change of leadership in the country of Babylon. They had a new king that had some feelings towards the Jewish people. He let some of them go to go back into Jerusalem and rebuild the temple under the prophet Ezra. Later on, the prophet Nehemiah was appointed governor 
over them, and he went and rebuilt the wall around the city so they would be protected. So this is what happened when uh, all of this wall was completed, the temple was completed, and we're going to read a good portion of scripture here. Uh, I like this passage in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, it says this, All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Masiah, and on his left was Pedaiah, Mishael, Makajah, Hashem, Hashbadanad, Zechariah, and Mishalem. I know you're going to remember all those names. <laughs> Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites... Yeshua, Manai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shapathiah, Hodiah, Mashiah, Kela, Azariah, Joabed, Hanan, and Pelaiah. Now, you're going to remember those names. Instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. It's so good to understand what God is saying. 
when you read the word, when the word is being preached, it's a blessing to understand what God is trying to say. This message today, we're going to see three things. We're going to see we have permission to enjoy God. When we have the process for enjoying God. Then we have the promise in the enjoyment of God. One of the mistakes pastors can make, and I've made many over the years, and I've learned, thank God, I learned from my mistakes. It's a good thing to learn. It's a good thing making a mistake, but learning from your mistake. I've learned something. But one mistake uh, pastors uh, make is that we continually preach on the responsibility of being a Christian. In other words, we keep telling you the things that you must be doing and how to do them. Time and time again, we keep telling you. But there's times where we've got to take a break from that. we got to, you know, there's responsibility for living a Christian life, and, uh, but we can't forget about something that is most the most important thing, and that is the joy. The joy of living this Christian life. I want to tell you, I've been doing it for 50 years. i got more joy now than I've ever had because God has proven himself to me so many times in so many ways. He's never left me. He's never forgotten me. No matter what trial I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, he was there. And I want to tell you, when you know that, then joy is going to well up inside of you every day of your life. The joy of living the Christian life. The world, the flesh, the devil wants to try to steal your joy because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if he can take your joy away, then you don't have the strength. If he can get you discouraged, if he can get you dismayed, and if he can get you doubtful, then your joy is going to leave, then you don't have any strength. I ask you today, have you taken time simply to enjoy the Lord? Do you enjoy the Lord? Do you walk with him, talk with him, commune with him? Are you enjoying that God is even in your life? So Jesus Christ is the source of your joy. He is the one that did it for you. He's the one that died on the cross of Calvary that you might be born again. So I want to ask you, is there something in your life today that might be stealing your joy? If it is, God's going to show it to you, and you're going to have to get rid of it because the joy is what we need. Let, let's see how we can enjoy God because, first of all, God gives us permission to enjoy God. God says, you need to enjoy me. Go live your life and enjoy me. Enjoy me in your life. Enjoy me supplying for your life. Just enjoy me every day. Nehemiah was appointed the governor over the Jews that returned from Babylonian captivity. He had just finished building the wall. Ezra built the temple. Nehemiah built the wall. The people all gathered together. 
with Ezra the priest in Nehemiah. They began reading God's word. Why? Because the people wanted to know it. They told them, bring the word out. Let us hear the word. The first five books of the law of God. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's all they had at the time. Bring it out. But listen to what Jeremiah and Ezra said to the people in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Once he finished reading everything, he said this to them. He said, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions of those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, he said, this day is holy. Nehemiah saw the first time in about 50 years that they were in captivity that the people were gathered together in Jerusalem to hear the word of God. They were listening to the word of God. Now, when they were listening to it, the weeping and the mourning began because they realized how far away from God they were. When they heard the word, they started weeping. They started crying. They realized how they disobeyed God and went their own way. You know, when you hear the gospel for the first time, the gospel and the Holy Spirit reveals who you really are. The gospel and the word of God reveals your place. He reveals how far away from God you are. He reveals all your sins and who you are. And when that happens, when your sins are revealed and you see yourself like God sees you, then there's going to be some weeping. There's going to be some tears. And over the years, I've seen a lot of tears. I've seen a lot of snot. I remember years ago when we were in uh, Chalmette, when our, the church was really huge then, I had a lady came up to me before service. She said, Pastor, this is the first time that I'm here. Why y'all have all them Kleenex boxes along the, <laughs> along the altar? I said, you'll find out. And before the end of the service, she was down there with one of them Kleenex boxes. You see, because when you hear the word of God, it's going to do something to you. If you got sin, it's going to be exposed. And you need to cry. You need to weep. You need to do those things. But the morning should end at a time, and then joy should come. See, we're not to be weeping all the time. We should not be coming here every week morning. It's, it's good to mourn. It's good to weep when you're in sin and you're repenting. But there's a time where the mourning and weeping has got to stop and the joy must come up. It's in a similar way in Psalm chapter 51. King David's sin was exposed to him by the prophet Nathan when he had adultery with Bathsheba and killed her husband. And he thought he was all right until the word of God came to him and exposed his sin. And then he wrote Psalm 51. And I want to read verse 10 to 13. This is what David said once he realized 
his sin, he said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me by your righteous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. David said he wanted the joy of his salvation restored to him. In other words, he lost the joy. Sin will cause you to lose your joy. We got to stay away from sin. We got to live in righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, there are Christians today that need the joy of their salvation restored. Because you see, life has a way of taking it. Life has the trials, the tribulations, the things that you got to face every day can take the joy of the Lord away. But David says, Lord, if you do that, if you restore the joy of my salvation to me, he said, then I'll teach transgressors your ways. I'll teach sinners who you are. And sinners will be converted to you. Well, let me tell you something. If sinners don't see the joy in us, you can preach all you want. They ain't going to receive anything. But if they see the joy of the Lord in you, they see something in you that comes from heaven, then they'll be convinced. But that's what David said. If you restore the joy of your salvation to me, I'll win souls to you. I'll win sinners to you. Let me tell you something. Without that joy, keep your mouth shut. If you have the joy, let it flow. Let it flow. <laughs> Nehemiah and Ezra told the people, today is a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. As a shepherd, I want to tell you something. I encourage you, enjoy yourself. Enjoy being a Christian. Enjoy being right with God. See, how might your walk with Christ be different if you just simply took time to enjoy the Lord? Enjoy him. Get up and go to work. Enjoy the Lord. Just, just enjoy God. Enjoy. Thank God that you're a Christian. See, today we're in a season where God has given you permission to enjoy him. He gave you every reason in the world to enjoy him. He gave you every reason in the world to be shouting joy every day, every day. He gave us reason. But we not only have permission to enjoy God, but thank God from the word of God, he gives us a process. <laughs> he gives us a process. Nehemiah, Nehemiah clearly lays out for us a process for enjoying God. And that includes three steps in verse 10. He said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Send portions to those whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. The first thing he said is, go your way. I like that. See, the people were gathered together uh, with the religious leaders. They were hearing the word of God. All of a sudden, they start weeping for their sin. But Nehemiah tells them, listen, go your way. 
You're right now. You're right with God now. You repented. You, 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 you weep. You, you mourn. You, you got right with God. Now go your way. See, once we're saved, we need to go our way. We need to go live our life and enjoy wherever we are in life, wherever we are in life. God says, go your way and enjoy me wherever you are. Just go. Go your way. In effect, what he's saying is, leave this time of mourning and weeping. Get going. Leave this atmosphere of sorrow and be free. This stood against where they came from. They were in captivity. Nehemiah was telling them, you're not captive anymore. You're free. Just like we are when God saves us. We come from a life of bondage, of sin, and addictions, and things of the world. He said, now, you're free of that. Go. Go your way. Live your life the way you need to live it now. They are now free to move about as they see fit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, For it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, them, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Go, go your way, you're free. Go live your life and enjoy God. What we need to do is we need to get away from, from the hardship from time to time. We need to go to a place of celebration. That's why you come here. You face life all week. You face your trials. You face your things. Then you come here. Because when you come here, this is the place of celebration. This is the place of joy. We need to remember our freedom in Christ. And we need to move to places that bring us joy. Go to go to a life group. And wherever the people of God are meeting, go there, because that's where the joy is going to be. Listen, you might come in sorrowful, but you don't need to leave sorrowful. God's going to meet you. Hallelujah. Secondly, Nehemiah says, eat and drink. Nehemiah commands the people, go eat and drink. Go, go, go have a good time. Go enjoy yourself. Go and enjoy all the Lord has provided for you. And then, because he brought them out of captivity. Ultimately, this is a call to have fellowship. Go splurge with one another. Go out there. Have a great time. I don't know about you. I love the fellowship with you. I love the fellowship with the, the people of God. That's... That, that, that is the greatest thing. The ultimate goal is to have fellowship. It brings joy to God as we fellowship together. And I was on the way riding here. God showed me something in Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm 133. I don't have it up there. I want to read it to you. This is what David says. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. In other words, David said it's so good 
to dwell with the people of God. It's so good. David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Why? Because when I get there, I'm going to have fellowship with God's people, fellowship with God, and the joy of God is going to come on us. Thirdly, he says, bless those who have nothing. Complete your joy. Go give to those who don't have it, okay? You want, you want to know what the joy of the Lord's all about? Go help people that don't have anything. Go give something to somebody that can't celebrate like you're celebrating because they don't have the means. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I want to tell you, try it. It works. It works. This process happens as we fellowship with our families, our loved ones, and each other. Separating ourselves from our circumstances and take time, a moment, to breathe the breath of God like we sang here. There's something inside of us that wants to worship God. There's something inside of us that will bring us closer to God. So we're seeing that not only do we have permission to enjoy God, a process to do it, but if we look closely, we will also see we have a promise here. We have a promise here. Nehemiah didn't call the people to go celebrate just to be celebrating. Nehemiah knew that the difficulties lie ahead of them because the Israelites had enemies that was going to come against them. And he said that finding joy in the Lord would renew their strength. He told them, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why? Because you're going to need the strength. There are going to be people coming after you. You're going to have battles to face. You're going to need the strength of the Lord, and you're not going to have it unless you have the joy. The joy is the strength of the believer. When you lose your joy, you lose your strength. You, you don't have it. Nehemiah knew that, that the enemies of God was lying awake. In fact, when Nehemiah was building the wall, he had to fight the enemy. They didn't even have the wall completed. They had to, to, to build the wall. They had to have they lay bricks with one hand and hold a sword in the other. Nehemiah knew that the people needed the strength. That's why he said, go enjoy God. Go enjoy your life. Go have fellowship. Just let the joy of God dwell in you. Because of their own disobedience to God, they were discouraged. Nehemiah was trying to encourage them. Listen, we're going to make mistakes down the line. But man, listen, repent of it, get up. And let the joy of God begin to flood our hearts and our lives. What the people needed to know was that God loved them. And I want to tell you something. God loves us. You hear what I'm telling you? Listen, if he's willing to forgive us all of our wickedness, all of our sin, all of our disgusting behavior, he loves us. He's willing to die for us. It's God who made provision for us. It's God who delivered us. And they were drawn from their celebration as a reminder of how the joy of the Lord is with them. This joy would be their provision going forward. 
when things were difficult. Jesus was the ultimate example of this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, say joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus submitted himself to the cross of Calvary. Jesus asked his father, is there another way? Can I do another way? You know what the, what the father showed him? Look, this is what's going to happen when you go there. All these people are going to get saved. All these people are going to be your people. That joy that he saw that he was going to get from enduring the cross made him go. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Because this is too much joy. The joy of what the Father showed him was overwhelming. I'll go. If this is what's going to happen, I'll go. I'll go do that. See, that's our eternal joy. That's what the, the Lord loved us and called us to be his own. This should be our strength going forward.